Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. Hallelujah. Shout amen. Happy Thanksgiving, belatedly. Did you have a good time? We got a food hangover going. We've got uh, turkey sandwiches for everybody when the service is over. Glory to God. And let me be the first to say to you here and those watching by stream Merry Christmas! We're going to have a great holiday season, and I'm so excited that Pastor uh, was led by the Lord to schedule that miracle service. Uh, The greatest gifts in all the world aren't gifts that you buy at the mall. They're gifts that come from above, and we serve a great and mighty God, and let's just get our faith turned on early for God to do something miraculous. Do you receive that today? Amen. Well, if you didn't know, I'm Pastor Scott. And amen. And where's my beloved? Uh, get it, put her on the big screen there. My beloved Lydia for 40 years. Feels like far. Just love y'all and thank you for coming out. Uh, I was... Uh, had a couple of prepared remarks here before we got into the meat of the sermon. Uh, But uh, I want to share something a little bit different that God spoke to me this morning as we were getting ready uh, for the service. And I shared this in early morning prayer. Did did you know we have early morning all-church prayer at 8.30 in the New Beginnings room? You're invited. And then we have the Torah study. So I've already preached one sermon this morning on Jacob's Ladder. And so I'm all wound up. I just got to, you know, don't get too wild. Like the one police officer said, I love to hear that rowdy pastor. (laughs) He called me the rowdy pastor. And there's reasons I do get rowdy. And uh, partly because... There's a call of God on my life, just like there's a call of God on your life. And uh, we're passionate about that, aren't we, church? We're passionate about being excited and being on fire for God. And so this morning, with the, being the Christmas season, all the I have Sirius uh, XM radio, and they've got all these great Christmas channels, so I put it on Christmas spirit with all the Christian uh, music, and I've got that thing going this morning, getting ready, and all of a sudden, this uh, um, uh, song came on that I had heard a couple times, and it really caught my attention, but it came on just while I'm uh, praying and thinking about today and what God wanted to do, and it's a song, uh, Christmas song by Casting Crowns. Anybody ever he- heard Casting Crowns? And uh, I don't know the exact name of the song, but it, it's like, Bethlehem, Why Were You Sleeping? And when I heard that, 
man, it just stopped me in my tracks. And I'm like, what on earth are these guys singing? And it's just this moving, emotional, inspiring song, not to miss the coming of the Lord. And of course, they're talking about Bethlehem and the first coming. But then unexpectedly, this song transitions into America, why are you sleeping? And, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, you know, if you would hear it, you'd have the same feelings. But for me, it blew me away because we're in the middle of something right now in America. And you're starting to see that there's a side that aren't sleeping like you and I. We're here today, you at home. We're not sleeping. We're not going to miss the, the power of God and the move of God. But the song was speaking to an America that's sleeping. And this is a Christmas song, and it's just moving me. And I got so stirred up, because if America falls, where do we go, folks? If our nation that's one nation under God goes under, and all of a sudden, it's not the righteous in charge, but it's the unrighteous in charge, making rules that say the church isn't essential making rules to to persecute the synagogues and the churches that's happening and i you know just i'm feeling all of this and then all of a sudden i got to thinking about that scripture in thessalonians that talks about the end times and and it says that the antichrist won't be revealed until something or someone is taken out of the way how many of you know that scripture in 2 Thessalonians? Something's going to happen for the Antichrist to be revealed and part of what happens is someone's taken out of the way. Now there's a debate on what that means because it doesn't plainly and simply tell us what's going to happen. And so many people have thought, well, this is the Holy Spirit will be taken out of the way. And that may be true, and, uh, you know, if it is true, then, you know, I I got no argument there. But uh, during the tribulation, people are going to be saved. So, you know, will we still, do you need a Holy Spirit to be saved? So, you know, there's that. But then I got to thinking about, well, this is a rapture scripture. When the church is taken out of the way, when the church is caught up and taken away, that's then that the Antichrist will be revealed. Now I'm thinking of all of this while this song's going, just a boom, 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 all while the song, you know, a three, four minute song, and I'm thinking of all of this. And then I got to thinking when this guy from Casting Crowns, man, it just about made me cry. And at the same time, getting me, you know, I'm going to, I'll be right back, lady. I'm going to take care of this. In that, uh, if America's taken out of the way, I never seen that before. I knew it was God speaking to me. If America is taken out of the way and we're turned over to the Antichrist crowd, dear God, what are we going to do? 
It just made me feel that this Christmas, this season, we're in the middle of some crazy stuff with the election and who's going to gain power and what people will do with that power. Will there be censorship? Will there be a loss of religious freedom, a loss of freedom of speech, a loss of so many things and freedoms that you and I cherish? If America goes the wrong direction, what are we going to do, folks? I'll tell you what we're going to do. You and I are going to pray harder than we've ever prayed before. We are going to stand for Jesus more than we've ever stood before. If you've never felt like you've been addicted to Jesus, I'd loosen that anointing over you right now that this Christmas season will not find you and I sleeping. But we will find something in us that will make us feel like we are addicted to Jesus Christ. How many of you feel that right now? Amen. So I want you to stand. And at home, I want you to come into agreement. And we're going to pray for our great nation. That God would deliver us from the evil ones. And he would loosen an anointing that will keep America one nation under God. Come on, somebody, pray with me. Father, we love you this morning. And we give you praise and worship, Lord. And thank you that you've given us the Holy Ghost and power so that we would not be caught sleeping. But you would, Father, put in us this Christmas season a fire of God. That'll be our gift. The fire of God will be our gift. And we will pray like we've never prayed. We will love like we've never loved. We will serve like we've never served. And we will see uh, 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 that Spirit of God be released across America to keep this nation, one nation, under God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Seal that with a big praise if you're with the Lord, if you're with us here at New Beginnings, come on, somebody. Now, before you sit down, socially distant, smile at somebody and give them an air high five. <laughs> amen, amen, amen. We could have just played religion. Or we could have church. Who wants to play religion? Who wants to have church? That's new beginnings for you. Glory be to God. Hi, stream audience. Stephen, if you're watching, my son in California, we love you. God bless you. I, I really felt inspired when they, they asked if, if I would do today's service. You know, a preacher has lots of sermons, but his pastor says, there's only one message for the day. And, you know, I went through a lot of things, but I felt inspired to follow up on Pastor Larry's amazing sermon teaching on reading the signs of God uh, with a message that's called burn the ships. And I want to get in today to one of the key principles that you and I need to apply in our lives 
in order to be rapture ready. Okay? And there's a great scripture that sums up what every believer's attitude ought to be. Not everybody has this attitude, but we need to pursue this attitude. I hope today, if you're watching at home, that you'll stir this thing up. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. In Hebrews 12, 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses... To the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Say amen. Amen. Now I want you to notice how this verse begins. It begins with the conjunction, the word therefore. There's a reason it's therefore. And the reason that it's therefore is what was just spoken before in the previous verses. And what was spoken before in Hebrews 11 is a whole list of heroes of the faith. From Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph to Daniel and Samson and Rahab and King David. And all of these examples are given to us to encourage us to lay aside every weight like they did and to run a God-given race that each and every one of us have been given. What is my destiny, Lord? Run the race. Well, how do I run? Just put one foot out in front of another, walk the walk, talk the talk, live the life, practice what you preach, and preach what you practice. Right? They laid aside everything to serve the Lord. And they withstood every attack that the devil threw at them. And the reason why? So they wouldn't miss their eternal destiny. Everything that God has, has the earthly and the heavenly. And so a lot of what God has you doing right now affects the earthly, but never, ever, ever, ever take your eyes off the grand prize. And the grand prize is a one-way ticket to heaven. The gospel train is waiting. Get your ticket and get on board. So one of the keys that they applied that you and I need to apply is learning how to lay aside every weight of sin. Because God wants you and I to cross the finish line victoriously. And so it's this principle that God stirred in me to share with you this morning. And it, it, it actually it all goes back to the study of God taking Israel out of Egypt 
by a route that led them to the banks of the Red Sea. And so what God did with Israel is so relevant, it's so extremely important for you and I because it has eternal implications. And so it's a biblical concept and a sermon that I've entitled, Burn the Ships. And may it help all of us. Amen. Amen. May it help us to leave the past behind so that we can enter into a glorious future. Who has their eye on the grand prize this morning? Let me see your hands. I see those hands, that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand. Good job. Praise God. So let's take a closer look at this in Exodus 13, beginning in verse 17. It says, when Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. Let's just stop right there and just say, not every uh, uh, road that God takes you down is supposed to be easy. So just because you're going through a little bit of a challenge, a battle, that doesn't mean you're not in the will of God. Having a problem that you confront doesn't mean you're out of the will of God. It could be. But so often in the word of faith movement we've, we, and the charismatic movement, we think if somebody's going through something, they must have missed the will of God. Maybe, but maybe not. So God said, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. Hmm. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Now the great Jewish commentators offer different reasons as to why God did what he did. But you can't ignore the plain and simple meaning of the text. If they faced a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. To me, this is mind-boggling. How on earth could Israel ever want to return to Egypt? They suffered over 200 years of bondage, oppression, and slavery. And you would think nothing, and I mean nothing, would ever make them want to go back. And yet, here they are. Take me back. This is God revealing something that was in Israel's nature, and it's in yours nature it's in human nature that we always end up wanting to return to some things that aren't good for us it also tells us people can easily be deceived and here gosh israel totally deceived and as i was reading through this I got to thinking, you know what? This sounds like the Stockholm Syndrome. 
Have you ever heard of the Stockholm Syndrome? It's a crazy psychological condition. It's like a disorder in which the people that are taken hostage somehow develop a weird connection with the captors. They got you in captivity and somehow you're trying to create an emotional connection with them? That's bizarre. It's irrational. That somehow a hostage would form an emotional bond with the kidnapper. And sure enough, when Pharaoh's army shows up, and they got Israel cornered on the banks of the Red Sea, it triggers a version of the Stockholm Syndrome. Maybe we should go back to Egypt. Look at Exodus 14, if you're following in your Bible. In verse 11, they said to Moses, Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us, Moses? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. That's a heavy-duty mindset. And they're called the children of God. And yet they have a mindset buried in them, lodged deep down inside of them, where they're making an emotional and mental and psychological, uh, psychological connection to the people that have put them in chains and bondage. Man, are you kidding me? So, in the face of a major predicament, they make one of the most bizarre statements one could ever imagine. Let's surrender to Pharaoh and go back where life was good. How on earth could you ever want that? Didn't you learn anything from the hand of the taskmaster? See, God knew they had this mentality. They knew it was a slave mentality. Israel themselves as a nation, as a people, they didn't know they had it. But God knew. And God knew that they could never reach their promised land unless they dealt with this stinking thinking. You cannot serve God by going back and live for the devil. You can't live for the devil and still make heaven your home. So this tells us what a lesson that God will use various circumstances as an opportunity to expose flaws in our thinking. Did you get that? See, a lot of times when something bad happens, we we got to assign blame. And we immediately want to assign blame to the devil. The devil made me do it. Flip Wilson. The devil made me do it. Flip Wilson. It's the devil. Why'd you do that, man? You're messing up your family. You're messing up your life. Devil made me do it. 
It's not only the devil that's holding you back. It's that stinking thinking that has nothing to do with the devil. It's your own thoughts. It's your own attitudes. It's those philosophies that over the years you built up in your mind before you started serving Jesus. And just because you came to the altar and prayed the prayer doesn't mean that you think right. It means you're saved. It means there's potential there. But if you don't get to work, this is why I always struggle with those that, well, you, there's nothing you have to do. <laughs> there's a lot you have to do if you've got to get your thinking straightened out. It means you've got to cast down every thought, every imagination, every attack of the devil. You've got to fight the good fight of faith. Put your dukes up and fight. So you get saved at the altar, but that doesn't mean your core beliefs change. You can be saved and still have core beliefs that are anti-Christ. And so God brought Israel to the banks of the Red Sea instead of taking them the easy way because he had a plan for Israel to be the nation of Israel and to be a light to the world. But they could never accomplish that mission unless they started getting a checkup from the neck up. And part of that meant that he was going to have to, for Israel, eliminate plan B. Israel's had a plan B. Some of you today still have a plan B if this Jesus thing doesn't work out. And sure enough, when Pharaoh turns up and he turns up the heat, the truth popped out. Pharaoh turned up the heat and the truth popped out. Let's go back to Egypt. Better to be a slave in Egypt. Really? That's insanity. To think that you can go back into the world and live a life in the world for the devil and think things are going to turn out real good. That's deception. It's the Stockholm Syndrome. And you have to defeat the Stockholm Syndrome. One of the great modern-day rabbis, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, who just went home to be with the Lord, one of the most brilliant modern-day scholars in our lifetime, he really got my attention with this when I was reading his article entitled Crossing the Sea. And he relates to what happened with Israel from an example from the Roman general and emperor Julius Caesar. And it's something known as crossing the Rubicon. Who's ever heard that term, crossing the Rubicon? A few of us. And it actually became a well-known military strategy. 
And in a nutshell, Caesar wanted to maintain his power as a general and had aspirations to uh, become the ruler of the entire Roman Empire. But his political opponents had other ideas. So Caesar had a dilemma. Because he was forbidden by Roman law to march his armies into Rome. The penalty for doing that would be at least exile, if not execution. But if Caesar didn't make this move, he would in all likelihood be forced to give up his ambitions and even worse. So his army, his legions are on the banks of the Rubicon River in Italy. And Caesar had a critical choice to make. Do I cross the Rubicon into Rome and start a civil war or do I forfeit my destiny? Caesar is said to have quoted, let the die be cast. And he did cross the Rubicon. He marched into Rome and became the Roman emperor. So now, centuries later, crossing the Rubicon has become a metaphor for life and business and decision making. It's like you tell yourself, crossing the Rubicon, I have reached the point of no return. I am crossing the Rubicon and let the chips fall where they may. Let the die be cast. It describes someone who makes a daring commitment. An irreversible, unchangeable commitment to a certain course of action. That's what I did when I asked Jesus to come into my life. I crossed the Rubicon. I made an irreversible, unchangeable decision 35 years ago. I have decided to follow Jesus. There is no turning back. Amen. Amen. And look, I was in, Jesus said those that sin are slaves to sin. Each one of us today has lived in our own personal Egypt. And when you made that pledge of allegiance to the Lamb of God, you are making a crossing the Rubicon decision. This is my point of no return. I am making this commitment, and I will never, ever, ever go back on it. How many of you agree with that decision this morning? Look at all those hands. A more familiar example comes from the the famous Spanish commander, Cortez. He was on a mission from Spain to conquer Mexico. And everyone knew the odds were stacked against him. And when they got there uh, um, to the shores of Mexico, they realized coming up against the Aztec nation and all the elements, how impossible things looked. And Cortez had to make a game-changing decision. Legend says he gave the famous order, burn the ships. 
because he needed to destroy any means of escape or retreat. We have come here, men. We are on a mission from Spain, and there is a no turning back. And to make sure there was no sign of retreat, he burned the ships. Everything we're talking about this morning is relevant right now. The end of this age is winding down. The bridegroom is ready to come. You and I are about ready to be taken out of the way. And the last thing that you want to do, you that are watching at home, your loved ones, your family, your aunts and uncles, your nieces and nephews, your kids and grandkids, your moms and dads, your extended family, they need you to be a voice for Jesus. And maybe they don't want to listen, so you get into your prayer closet and you bind the devil, you rebuke the works of darkness, and you loosen salvation and forgiveness and repentance. And then lather, rinse, and repeat. Burning the ships, crossing the Rubicon, is a decision that's supposed to happen when you come to the altar. Nowadays, we don't want to offend nobody. We want to make it as easy as possible. Don't ask nothing of nobody. Just say this short little prayer, that's all you got to do the rest of your life. God didn't take Israel the easiest way. And when you make a decision to follow Jesus, it needs to be a burning the ships moment. Especially if you want to make heaven your home and fulfill your destiny and hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's what they said about our brisket on Thanksgiving. Well done. <laughs> Thou good and faithful cook. <laughs> Look with me what Jesus was talking about in Luke nine sixty two. Says Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Hard words, serious words. They were having this discussion in the context of the chapter about what people would do uh, in following Jesus. Oh, I'll follow you, Jesus. I'll do anything. I'll run through a brick wall for you. And Jesus nodded his head, I'm sure. Okay. All right. But let me challenge you with something. If you put your hand to the plow and look back, the blessing and destiny of God in your life is going to be lost. 
because you can't live your life in the past longing for the things of the past. Lot's wife longed for the things of Sodom. How did that turn out for her? Why do you think it's going to turn out any better? So Jesus challenged them over the biggest commitment that you could ever make in your life. That you have decided to follow Jesus. What does that mean to you? Does it mean, yeah, but I still got a plan B if it doesn't work out the way I want it. And the moment some challenge comes, you're on the shores of your own Red Sea. You're at the banks of the Rubicon. Or you're like Cortez and his men going into an a, a unfamiliar and impossible situation. You want a plan B. You want a way of escape. If this thing don't work out, I'm going to get out of here. Even if it's by the hair on my chinny chin chin. But that's not what our commitment to Christ is all about. We're to lay aside every weight of sin. And we are to run our race determined. Do you feel determined? Do you still have a spirit of determination in you? Where you are determined. Come hell or high water, come heaven or high water, I'm going to serve the Lord. Do you have that in you? Amen. Amen. So Jesus is telling us we need to keep our eyes focused on what's ahead. Heaven is ahead. Eternity is ahead. Right? But if we keep looking back after we make that decision to serve the Lord, if we keep looking back, we're going to end up with a crooked and confusing life. Why aren't things turning out for me? Because... Try driving home looking in the rearview mirror. Don't do that. That's for entertainment purposes only. When you made Jesus the Lord of your life, did you go all in? I did. I went all in. The first uh, day that uh, we accepted Jesus Christ into our lives, we received salvation. We also got filled with the Holy Ghost. Yeah, I said it. The Holy Ghost. We began to pray in other tongues that very morning. We got the full meal deal. Our sins are washed away. We got filled with the Holy Ghost. And Jesus said, I've come to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. You got some fire in you. You're going to need some of that fire in you as the Antichrist crowd starts to reveal themselves in America right now. Well, you just serve Jesus because you need a crutch. No, I need Jesus. And he didn't save me so I could be a wimp. 
He saved me so I could manifest the power and promises of God. Wherever the soles of our feet shall tread, there is what I have given you. Whatever you lay your hands to. The Apostle Peter knew something about this. In 2 Peter 2.20, when people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and then get tangled up and enslaved by sin again, they are worse off than before. Ah, what does he know? St. Peter knows a lot. And here's what we need to know. Your born-again decision, your born-again prayer needs to be like Israel. Crossing the Red Sea, it needs to be like Cortez burning the ships. And this morning, if you have to, get in your DeLorean and go all the way back to that prayer that you prayed where you knew that you knew that you knew that you gave your life to Jesus and then put a value on it like the pearl of great price and say that decision was my burning the ship's decision. You might not have thought about that until now, but this morning I'm telling you, go back, Doc Brown. And go back and rethink what happened when you pledged your allegiance to the Lamb of God. And you rework that thing and relabel that thing and change the subtitles on that thing. And you decide what happened there was the most important decision I've ever made. It has the biggest, most important value of anything that I could ever have in my life. My eternal destiny, my salvation is not for sale. I'm not turning back. I'm not going to be lured back by the devil into that state of sin. I am free and I will remain free and I will serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Say amen with me. Feel the football coach coming out in me. God knows you. He knows that if you live with one foot in the world and the other one uh, uh, in the kingdom, that you're going to struggle And then you're going to make objections. All this gospel stuff they talk about never works. Why doesn't it ever work? Because you never put your whole heart into it. You never had a burning the ships experience. You still got a plan B. When we got saved, it was like we jumped off the diving board into the waters of the Holy Ghost. There was no turning back once we jumped off. You need to redefine the nature of our association. (laughs) Tombstone. Why? Because retreat is always easy when you leave your options open. I'm just leaving my options open. You're leaving an open door for the devil to come in and mess your life up. One of the big reasons people quit on God and go back into the world is because of fear. 
fear you might miss out on something. Isn't it funny that, that when you think of the good old days, the devil never reminds you the good old days when you were hugging the toilet. The good old days when the, the, the uh, cell door was being locked. The good old days when you found yourself in trouble you had no control over and all of a sudden you are up to your eyeballs. Do you know what I'm talking about? Moses knew a lot about overcoming fear. He understood burning the ships, Moses. Because see, Moses grew up as the prince of Egypt. Yet there was something missing in his life. See, you can get all the riches, all the prestige, all the glory, and yet there can still be something missing. Because there is a spot in your heart, in your life that only Jesus can fill. He's the only one that can fill that, that will fit that. And here we are trying to, you know, uh, 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 cram a round peg into a square hole. And it just, why doesn't it fit? If you go to Hebrews 11, they tell the story. This is part of that, therefore, the hall of faith. Men and women that laid aside every weight and ran the race. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking ahead to his great reward. Hallelujah. We got a great reward. And it was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Turn and tell somebody what he said. (laughs) Moses made the irreversible, unchangeable decision to burn the ships. And he identified with his Jewish roots. Did it cost him something? Yeah, in the natural, it cost him everything. Did you get that? Yeah, it cost him something. In the natural. But in the supernatural, he gained all of eternity. Was it worth it? Was your decision to serve the Lord with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your soul, with all your resources, was that worth it? Yeah? Convince yourself. Yeah. You better believe it was worth it. And I'd make that decision a thousand times over. And why did he believe it? Because somehow he knew that there was a better place and a bigger prize than what Egypt could offer. I pray that you get that today. 
This isn't a sermon that is against prosperity and achieving and success in life, but we need to make sure our priorities are right. The grand prize isn't a bigger bank account, although I'll take it. The grand prize is when you've been there 10,000 years, it will be like you just begun. So look to that reward. Moses did. Look to that reward. Think about that reward. You can remember way back in 1983, that was our first year in Seattle before Liddy and I gave our lives to the Lord. And I was so, so lost. Mm. Dear Lord, you were probably born righteous and you probably were walking on water from a very early age, not me. I was so lost. Since seventh grade, I was always attracted to the high life, the high life. I began drinking heavily in seventh grade and never stopped until I was 30. In reality, what we think is the high life is the low life drinking, doing dope, partying with my homies. That's all my life was. Let's play some ball. Let's get drunk. You ever seen the movie Animal House? That was my life. John Bellucci, known as Scott Sigmund. And I didn't know, look, we all have those Issues of some sort. There's immaturity, stupidity. Don't nudge your husband. But also, when it comes to things like dysfunctional families, right? You come out of a dysfunctional family and there's family curses that are passed on and you can't understand why do I do the things that I said I would never do? What's going on inside of me? Why do I act like this? Why do I do this? Family curses. It would behoove you to learn that revelation while God has you at New Beginnings. The reason he puts you in a church isn't just so you can have social hour. He puts you in a church to learn some revelation. My people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. Why did the Word of Faith movement, the charismatic movement, teach that uh, don't use your brain, don't use your intellect, don't use your mind, check your brains at the door? That's not God. That's stupidity. Well, after all of our searching, we... We were miraculously led into a Holy Ghost, Bible-believing, tongue-talking, word-of-faith, pew-jumping, devil-stomping. Man, thank you, Lord. If you got born again or you got introduced into spiritual warfare and living in power, dominion, and authority through new beginnings, thank the Lord God planted you here. And don't let the devil come and have you get in an argument with the pastors every Sunday in your head while they're preaching. Why do they use that color? Why do they call it that? 
Why do they always ask for money? Why are they always doing that? Better get on your knees and thank the Lord. Someone's teaching you how to fight the good fight of faith. And part of that is burn the ships, burn that attitude. That morning we got born again and filled with the Holy Ghost. We were living in North Seattle and the church was in South Seattle. The moment I got home, I burned the ships. I had a whole liquor thing and I had all my drugs. And all of a sudden, the toilet got a whole new meaning for use. (laughs) Down the toilet, burned the ships. All the coke and all the weed down the toilet. Flushed that thing. I have decided to follow Jesus Christ and this will have no more hold over me. That very morning, that very day, I didn't need 32 classes to teach me. Although we're starting uh, classes in uh, January to equip the saints to walk in victory, training for reigning. So here's the $64,000 question as we head to the end. Are there any ships you need to burn? Are you here today or watching by stream and the Holy Spirit is nudging you and prompting you to take a look at your life? He's putting you in a position to say, if you like the match, I'll take that dominion of whatever the devil's been holding over your head. I'll take that out of your life. Whatever you've had a taste for, I'm going to remove that right now. I wrote down some things. Do you need to burn the ships of depression? of sadness, of misery. Because you'll never enter into the joy of the Lord as long as misery and sadness and negativity have its talons, its hooks in you. Burn that thing. Make a decision today. I'm going into the Christmas season and that thing will have no more authority in my life. Burn the ships of bitterness, unforgiveness. When you live with bitterness and unforgiveness, it eats away at your insides. It builds the wrong momentum. And suddenly cynicism and apathy and animosity all of a sudden come into play. And you're a Christian. You sang Waymaker earlier. And yet that thing comes back to vex and haunt you. Burn that thing today in the name of Jesus. It's hard to bring this one up because it can seem a little bit uncomfortable. But burn the ships of sexual sin. Immoral living. 
Sexual sin and immoral living has no place in your life or mine. No believer ought to give themselves over to those things. But when the devil uses that to keep you in bondage, don't let him deceive you anymore. Wake up today. Don't be caught sleeping on this one. Burn that thing in your heart and soul. No more in the name of Jesus. Addictions to drugs, cigarettes, junk food, alcohol, video games, gambling. You're not going to like this one. Overspending. But it's Christmas. I'll just get another credit card. The other ones are all matched out. I'll just get a new one. And you become servant, a slave. If you've been in an abusive relationship or you're connected in some kind of ungodly relationship, believers are not to be unequally yoked. We're not to be unequally yoked. We'll love you, we'll pray, but you're not going to be my best friend. And if somebody's been abusing you verbally or physically and you keep having that Stockholm Syndrome thing working, I bind that thing in the name and by the blood of Jesus right now so you can be set free. Amen? Amen? God has a blessed life waiting for you. An abundant life. A quality life. A blessed life. A good life. But oftentimes in order to enter into that, he's not going to lead you down the easiest road. I wish it were so. I wish, wish Christianity was a get-rich-quick scheme. <laughs> As we wrap things up today, I want to pray. I want to release something over you and send you into the Christmas season, the Hanukkah season, the holiday season with a smile on your face, knowing that I overcame something. That Thanksgiving weekend, something changed in my heart. Something changed in my life. I be, really beca- became a new creation. I can feel like I'm a new creation. All that old stuff has passed away. Behold, all other th- uh, everything's become new for me. So just right where you're at, bow your head, bow your heart. And let the Holy Spirit minister to you. Thinking about what ship or ships need to be burned. You've reached the point of no return. Jesus is coming soon. Don't be caught sleeping. Those things that are weighing you down. Sinful things, ungodly things. It's time to cut those things loose today. And enter into the joy of the Lord. Hallelujah. Believers that have the victory begin to just pray softly where you're at in your heavenly prayer language. 
There's people watching around the world that need a breakthrough. There's people sitting near you that need a breakthrough. And today is the day. Father, we come before you right now in the name above all names, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And Father, we want to begin by thanking you for our salvation. We want to thank you for forgiving us of every sin, for breaking every curse, and for connecting us to that eternal promise of heaven. Hallelujah. Right now, Lord, we realize, many of us, that there's a ship to burn. It's that thing that's keeping me connected to the world. That thing that's holding me back from becoming all that God's called me to be. It's keeping me connected to a negative, sinful past. And I repent for hanging on to that, Lord. I repent for all those mistakes I've made. And I praise you that you don't condemn me for it. You forgive me of it. Hallelujah. And I receive a fresh wave of forgiveness over my life right now. A forgiveness that breaks every sinful hunger and thirst and appetite. A forgiveness that breaks every family curse. I forgive those that have hurt me. And I forgive myself. And right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, every thought, every memory every attachment to the negative past, any vexing emotion, any kind of psychological Stockholm syndrome that might be working in my life, I bind that now in the name and by the blood of Jesus and by the authority of the Word of God. I set you free. Praise God, I have a future in Jesus. Praise God, today I decide afresh and anew to follow Jesus with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my strength. And there's no turning back. No turning back. I'm a new creation. I have a new beginning. All the negative things are washed away. And behold, all things become new in my life today. Today is my day for a miracle breakthrough. Today is my day to step into a new beginning. In the name of Jehovah, in the name of Yahweh, in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen and amen. If you receive that today, give the Lord a great big hand clap. Seal it with praise. Hallelujah!